All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here uh, with my good friend, Justin Zazumbo from Salt Lake City, and he owns CrossFit New Life. And the reason we're doing this podcast is because uh, in my, I guess it's actually the third podcast with Denise Thomas, uh, she had recommended that we get somebody on the show who's kind of, you know, a listener. And uh, we've had one or two people that have done that. And Justin is one of those folks. And he's also, you know, worked with us in our mentor group. So we, we can talk about that too as well. And then um, what we can do is uh, really what I want to kind of dive into is Justin has a, a fairly interesting story with regard of going from a part-time coach uh, into being an owner and, and what that process is like. But um, I know it's Friday, bro. We're recording this on Friday at least. So um, I appreciate yeah. you hopping on, man. Hey, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to learn a lot from the content you guys put out and this is kind of surreal for me to be here. So that's cool, Let's man. It's it. uh, yeah, it's just two guys talking about stuff that a small percentage of the population cares about is the way I like to think about it. <laughs> so and that we really love, right? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, if you guys can't see, he's wearing a very, very nice looking best hour of their day t-shirt. So if you did not purchase those last time we did it, you missed out, but we will be selling more of them. Um, but first, uh, Justin, give us, give us the bumper sticker story, man. Like what's your, what's your, I found CrossFit story. Uh, so I was in college, uh, freshman, I had played sports my whole life and what I thought was going to keep me in shape and keep me fit would I jog to the gym, uh, on campus, like at a moderate pace. And then I'd lift some weights. My dad used to take me gym like 5 a.m. and we'd bench and we'd like do bicep curls and stuff so I'd jog to the gym and I'd lift weights and then I'd jog back and that just got really stale I actually was going to Utah State University and they offered a credited class at a local affiliate and I was introduced to CrossFit in my hometown in Ogden uh, it's a program called workout addiction recovery and I had some family that was getting help there and they use like functional, he's not an affiliate, but they use like the same, the same style of training. I was like, this is mm -hmm. cool. So I took that class, uh, loved it. And I, I didn't have any money at the time. I was a student. Um, and I was like, I can do this stuff at a global gym. And I remember walking into the gym on campus and looking around being like, Hey, I can do thrusters there. I could, I could do some pull-ups there. And I just kind of scoped it out and, and I, I literally remember walking around for like 15 minutes and just walking out. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't, it just wasn't the same feel. So I signed up for that class again in the, the spring semester. So I took it in fall, signed up for it in the spring. And I went and talked to the coach. I was like, dude, I, I want to be here more than twice a week because that was all the class offered. And, and he was just really frank with me. He's like, well, we offer student membership so you can sign up and join the gym or you can just take this class and come twice a week. And I was like, well, I can't, well, the 75 bucks a month for a student membership. I don't know if I can afford that. And I remember I didn't even leave the parking lot, went out in my car. Then I called him and I was like, I'll be there tomorrow morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, changed, I changed my mind. Take all my money. Yeah. And about two years later, he, he asked me if I ever wanted to coach. And I literally, the, my response was, coach what? Like football, basketball? Uh, uh, 
Um, and he's like, no, Coach CrossFit. And I was like, his name's Brad Thorne. Little shout out to him. Yeah, I learned, I learned a ton from that dude. But uh, I was like, yeah, I've thought about it. But like as a fantasy, like, I, I really looked up to him and everything he did. And he's like, well, let's get you going a little bit. Um, he offered classes right through the, through the university that he started me. And it was, I mean, he says he didn't think about it, but from my end, it was just like a beautiful little transition. At first I shadowed him and he'd have a workout written and then he'd be just hanging out watching me. And then I remember one day I showed up to the gym and there wasn't a workout. It's like, what, well, Brad, what do I do? He's like, come up with a workout. And I came up, I, I, I had my class do Helen cause I just picked a benchmark. <laughs> So a hey, smart yeah. move rather than creating something, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to go with what works. Oddly enough, that was our, that was the workout we did at the, at our box CrossFit right yesterday. We did Helen. Oh, so nice. What was, that uh, was. let me ask you this. What was your Helen time? Do you remember what it was the first time? Oh, I have no idea. The first time, um, was it devastating? <laughs> the last time I did it was devastating. How fast did you do it last time? I could look it up. Give me a second. We're judging you on your fitness level here, Justin. Make sure it's good, my, bro. My my friends, two hundred seven. Uh, okay, I did that like All four right. months ago. So there's a little fitness in there. That's fast. So That's the, real fast. My Helen time. My Helen time was pretty fast, but I I remember I was like to go fast. I got to run really fast, and I fell off the pull up bar after the third round, and I was like, I'm never doing that workout. Was it was it sub eight? Let me just ask you. Was it a sub eight, Helen? Yeah, seven twelve. Dude, that is <laughs> okay. So for anybody who's not aware, that is fucking fast. Um, so I remember getting back from my first four hundred, and it was like a one fifteen ish. And I was, I was gonna like, say oh, you're gonna have to run at least. Uh, you're gonna have to for sure run a, a sub one twenty to go like in that like 745 and below because that like it's just that's the only place to make up time there like if you if you can do all the kettlebell swings and unbroken and you can do butterfly yeah. kidding pull-ups like the only the only place to make up there is run <laughs> at a at a frantic a bears chasing you pace um, that's, that's a that's a kind of a funny story because i yeah. coached it and then we don't have, we have a free seven o'clock hour. And my six o'clock group was like, are you going to do this today? I was like, well, I got to go to work and like, just do it right now. I was like, really? They're like, yeah, hurry. We'll watch you. So yeah, I did it we, by myself. We got time. <laughs> <laughs> it should be fast, right? Justin, you said it should be fast. Uh, all right. All right. That's great. Um, okay. So, so let's, let's, yeah, let's go back and let's talk about, see so program Helen. And did you coach the class or, or you just like made the workout that day? No, yeah, I coached it. Uh, How'd that go? I, yeah, not well. <laughs> I remember people trying to like do pull-ups, and I didn't at the time. I didn't understand progressions or. She was like, "Pull harder! If you just pull harder, you'll get up there." I'm like you all. just you, you swing and you pull up and you push like you're close, but you've done about twelve. Like go run. So, yeah, it was a mess. But I learned a lot with those with in that that group. I mean, I was thrown into the fire, which a ton. I would say most coaches are in our in our scope today. So you just kind of you you learn as you go. 
So let's let's uh, talk about that real quick because that's a, that's where a lot of people like, probably live their lives when they enter the CrossFit space, which is I do get thrown into the fire, and because I did, I did the same thing, you know, twelve years ago, whatever it was. But when you personally get thrown into the fire, are you aware of how much ground that you need and want to make up, or are you? Or, or does that not come for a little bit where you're just like, no, th- I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, this is great. No, that's a really good question. Cause that was in my mind in terms of like sharing that at the time I didn't, I didn't, it's hard to formulate this, but I didn't respect coaching as a craft. I just thought Brad's really good at it and I'm not, and I want to be in the gym more. So I'm going to do my best. Um, but I was a student. I was like pursuing a social work career. I saw I was a typical like coaching was a hobby, and it it led me to being in the gym more. So this is cool. But the 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 thing that I remember clicking was when he asked me if I wanted to coach at his gym. In my head, I was like, okay, I can't just talk the talk. I gotta walk the walk. I gotta start eating better. I gotta start moving better. Uh, I and. And like he, he, one thing he said is he really liked how just like I, I was kind of like a role model member for him. And so that's one thing that clicked right off. I was like, if that's, I'm going to, if I'm going to be a coach. That's super interesting. That, that is, that is not a typical first thought. And at least in my experience for coaches is that if I'm going to coach, I need to move better. Like that is a very rare response to I'm going to start coaching is that I need to actually set the example so I, I i think you know quite frankly like good for you because that is that is not the norm yeah i think i think that's just brett the culture that brad had created or has created in um logan cash rally strength and conditioning is the name of his gym um he moved really well he always did did the little things in the workout that allowed him to do better um and at the time i was like i thought i was competitive and i thought i wanted to like really pursue that. So there were, there were, to be completely honest, there would be times where I'd like shave reps to like keep up with my buddies. Right. And that was something I'm like, well, if I'm going to be a coach, I can't do that shit anymore. Um, and it's, it's <laughs> and that is something it's one of the first conversations that I have with new coaches is that you forfeit the right to, to do anything that isn't the standard. Like you forfeit the right to shave reps. You forfeit the right to move like shit. You forfeit the right to not scale appropriately. You forfeit the right to not do the full arm. Like you forfeit everything. Like you are now the the standard bearer. So like you forfeit all those things. Like you just can't be a lazy turd. To not, and I'd add to not do the warm ups with the class, right? Like that's a big, that's a big thing that I pull. Not not only just my coaches, but some of the members that lead by example. I'm like, Hey, why didn't you do the warm up? With, with the class today well i was busy you know talking to joe and sue and i was like you know what we had a couple new people and and they're gonna see you over in there in the corner twisting with the pvc pipe and then jumping into workout and now they think that they can do that and that's not what that's not the culture i want and then how does, and every, how does that conversation go because i think a lot of people are scared to have that conversation it was basically that it, it was a Saturday class. Uh, I remember specifically, uh, one of the people I'm talking, I'm talking about, she's getting her level one this weekend and I'm bringing her on slowly to coach. 
But I pulled two people aside and I said, hey, I want to talk to you guys about something real quick. And this was like month one of ownership. So I was like, oh, well, I hope they receive it well. Uh, I was like, I want to bring to you, I want to bring to your attention how I respond to something as small as not doing the work. And they're like, oh, well, it's not a bit like I, I was, we were talking about this and that. And I was like, I realized that it's not a big deal in your eyes but people look up to you. You guys have been here the longest, some of the longest, and whether you know it or not, everyone's watching you as much, if not more than they're watching me as the coach. And, and then I that is I, an important point to bring up. And because it's true, right? Particularly if there are some of your, your, I guess, more consistent members and they, that they don't realize it. They don't realize it that because probably because they've been there longer, they don't realize that like they are actually, now kind of the top of the heap and people look at them for like what is appropriate and anytime I've ever had that had to have that conversation I, I will ad address it from the same way I'm like I'm like literally people are watching you when you do this like you have got to do that like if you are so proud to be here then you need to really actually take that to heart because the new people that come in they look at you on at this point in your five or six or seven year journey and they they think you're a rock star like you need to be aware of that Yep. And they both, um, they both took it really well. I think I, and not, uh, not without the intentions to, I wanted them to know that I respected them and they, they were leaders in our community. Not that I was like just mad at them. Um, so that, that went over well. I was happy about yeah, it. I think, I think in a lot of those instances, people are just not aware of, of, you know, for that particular subset of members, they're not aware of their stature within the community. They're, they're, yeah, because that's not how they see themselves. And then you have to shed some light on that and be like, Hey, like, listen, you're kind of the person around here that everybody's like chasing, even though you don't see yourself that way because you still see yourself as the person six years ago who, you know, was overweight and eating Cheetos and, and doing all those things, but that's not who you are anymore. And then you, yeah. you might need to come to grips with the new identity that you have here, which is like, you're, you're kind of a pipe hitter in the, in the world of CrossFit in, in this community. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And like I said, um, one of them, I've seen a complete change in, in her demeanor and she's been brought up over the years as a potential coach. Um, but it was the demeanor. Like she came in here, like just focused on her performance and just focused on crushing it. But lately I've seen that shift in the whole process and the community and connecting people. And that's ultimately what led me to asking her to get her level one and start coaching. So that's fun. I didn't, I didn't think about those things until that's that came up. Cool. So. Um, so how long have you been coaching at this point? Um, so I got my level one in 2015, but I was coaching in at that Logan gym without a level one. So six and a half, seven years, maybe. Okay. So you're not, you're not new. You're not a new, a greenhorn, you know, for, for in the coaching world. Um, okay. So what point, at what point do you start kind of making this mental shift from like, okay, I'm doing this kind of like on the side. I like it. It's fun. I get a free membership to this, this idea that I might be able to do this for a living. Like that is yeah, a that's pretty badass idea, you know? 
That's interesting because I think it just slowly, it slowly became that. Um, so I came, I, I was in a partnership with the previous owner. So there's been three owners at the gym I'm at right now. Uh, it's called CrossFit New Life. Um, the second owner, I was in like an unofficial partnership with him. And I hoped that that, that, that partnership would just kind of supplement my income as a social However, so back up, year, back, back up real quick. What is it? What's an unofficial partnership? I'm just curious. Um, so he wanted to buy out his, and I think the best way to describe it was his uncle. They're like, Got like it. his step uncle, but he didn't have the money to the, the total amount. And so my dad helped us buy that out. So Got I it. wasn't on okay. paper, but I was like, I was managing my dad's agreed on percentage. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Um, the interest, I feel like where things really turned about a year ago. So I was working for the state as a social worker for close to three years. And I took how's, a job. How's that? How's that? <laughs> what do you mean? That's a loaded question. Well, isn't it, well, yeah, that's why I asked my, like my mom has been a, has been a private practice social worker for God, almost 40 years. And my sister yeah. was a, was a social worker working for the state in St. Louis's like in truancy. And depending on what you do in social work, that can be not the greatest job. So the, the good thing about that state job was the flexibility. I mean, they talk a lot of people like go to retire at the state because you don't work a ton like it's like you can only work 40 hours you get every holiday you can think of but the work was tough man i was working with troubled kids um, and most of my mission was suicide prevention uh, which i i really i'm really passionate about that um and i learned a ton i i would give trainings to all the staff um, I would even travel the state to provide those trainings. Um, and just at the end of the day, the culture of the state in terms of like the slow moving bureaucratic system, it, it just wasn't, I was, I was in my early twenties and I wanted to move. I wanted to, I wanted to be challenged more. So I took a job in a private practice, uh, or well, it was a, in the private sector. And then back to that war. So the, the, the program I mentioned that was helping one of my family members, uh, it's good. It stands for workout addiction recovery. He's been a nonprofit forever and he was being helped to create a legitimized like outpatient program for drug and alcohol recovery. And they needed a fully licensed uh, clinician to, to do that. And so it was a, it was beautiful at the time. I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to be able to coach. I'm going to be able to do social work. This is like my dream. It's a blend of both worlds. Um, long story short, I wasn't really working for war. I was working for the company that was helping them get on their feet. And that company, I really had no, no desire to work for. Uh, I was thrown into a clinical director role. I was moved around a bunch. Um, and it just burnt me out. And that's where the point where I was like, you know what? I, I, I feel best when I'm coaching, even, even at the war program, I'd sit down and, and do like an individual group therapy session. 
And then when I had my clients in the gym, I felt like I could make a bigger impact. Whether that was my lack of skills as a clinician, possibly. Uh, it was definitely my, I'm more passionate about the gym. Like I know, I know I'm putting my better foot forward when I'm coaching and I'm in the gym with people rather than in an office. Well, I don't know if that's completely fair to you. You're talking about people who are in two entirely in different, uh, entirely different head spaces. You know, somebody who's in treatment, uh, particularly in the at the state level, or some of these like isn't doesn't necessarily want to be there in a lot of instances. Like they're there because yeah. there was some sort of intervention, or there was mandated for due, via court order. Um, where you know, in the CrossFit space, you know people who don't want to be at the gym are not at the gym, you know, like people who like you're dealing with are there and they're pumped up and they're excited. Like that's the beauty of the level one is like there is something incredibly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Incredibly gratifying about standing in front of a group of people that want nothing more than to spend time with you and learn about stuff, which is the same thing as being an affiliate owner, right? Like that's why that whole that whole idea is so intoxicating. Like you're like, man, I get to help people and they like fucking want to be here every day. Like this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Are you, yeah, are you looking thought. to, are you looking to integrate any of that type of um, kind of a, a recovery or, or social work kind of counseling aspect into your affiliate at some point? So I still do. Uh, I was trying to be, brief with a story of getting burnout but what happened was so uh a town called ogden about an hour north of me that's where i started and then i like slowly moved to a location closer to this gym uh in salt lake crossfit new life and i was able to bring the clients that i was working with in salt lake to to crossfit new life and train them a couple times and so I'm still doing that for the company that I was clinical director. They come in Wednesday evenings and Saturdays. And I, I do, uh, I mean, I just modify the workout we have for the day. I initially, when I first started that, I overthought it and like tried to create this on ramping, like they, I'm like, you know, maybe instead of doing power cleans, like we're going to kettlebell swing, but it's just where you're, and instead of doing a 15 minute AMRAP, we might do two on and one off for five rounds. So anyway, I'm, we're, I don't want, this isn't about programming, but uh, I still work with them and I do a class, like a lecture once a week and I go up and just talk about health to be completely fair. I've just ripped off Bergeron's five factors of health and I teach that to them. It's been fun. Well, no, I, I do. It's not, I mean, it's all of this podcast is about coaching and programming is an aspect of that. And I think with a lot of the, um, the shifts to health and a lot of, you know, which coach Glassman has referred to as the underserved population, uh, like people are like full disclosure, like we're, we're like trying to put together some ways to do that. And, uh, Michelle Moots, who is a flow master on CrossFit and an OG, she was just she on just my level too. Yeah, she's she's the heat, dude. Like she's great, she's and she's cool. been around forever. She's like at original Santa Cruz. Like she's OG as they get. And uh, she was just on Julie Fouché's podcast, and we're gonna have her on the podcast because that is largely her function within CrossFit now. Like she travels back and forth weekly to teach those classes uh, at Santa Cruz, and like she flies back and forth every week to teach that to to these people who are the least likely people to ever join a CrossFit gym. So like that's kind of the population you're dealing with. So 
talk to me a little bit about how you, because what you're developing just purely by coincidence or accident is what I feel is probably the most undervalued skill set with any CrossFit coach, which is the ability to scale workouts effectively. Like the question comes up all the time. Okay. What if this person comes into the gym? Like I, I, like I just, I can't, I can't give them the experiences that they need. I'm like, well, that's a coach problem. Like we, like it shouldn't matter who walks in the door. Like you should be able to scale and give them something that's appropriate. So talk to me a little bit about your approach to that. Um, in terms of scaling this population, the, yeah, I mean like most people are dealing with people who want to be fit and want to live a healthy lifestyle. And that's general and that's not who you're describing right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just hard to, to have to speak generalities. Um, so I, I had a great opportunity to coach at a nonprofit called fit to recover there. They offer free classes to those that are in recovery. And I learned quickly how to really connect with that community. The, uh, the people recovering from drugs and alcohol disorder. Um, and it, and that's what that to me, if I miss a scale, but I can connect with somebody and they can trust me, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, when, when they feel like I'm hardened or they don't, I don't understand them. And then I ask them to do something different or, or give them a scaling option, then they're not going to do it. Uh, so, so to me, I don't know if that answers your question. Um, I, I, a little bit. I, I think, um, I think what you're alluding to a little bit more is empathy, you know, like, and I, yeah. which kind of answers another question I had for you, which is like, what is the skill set from the social work realm that you think has been most beneficial to you as a coach? And basically what you just said is like, is like high levels of empathy, high EQ as we would describe it. 100%. Yeah. That's, that's been, I, I, I use it and I, I don't regret any of my social work education or that career um, path because it just made, I feel like it just made me a better human being, um, to appreciate where people may or may not be coming from and to give people the benefit of the doubt and, uh, to do kind of do no harm. Right. So a lot of, there's a ton of parallels between that and a coach. Uh, so it's interesting that you bring that up because that is kind of the doctor oath is do no harm first, you know, and I, but, and, that probably wouldn't be a bad idea for all of us to adopt when coaching is like, Hey, first and foremost, like my job is to not mess you up and forget like pushing people towards like doing awesome. Like, Hey, maybe my first job is to help you avoid any sort of injury. You know, like that's, that's a, I hadn't, I have never actually thought about it that way, but now that's a good way to to think about it. Yeah. We used to, at that first nonprofit that I coached at, we used to circle up and almost do like a, a round robin, almost like a group therapy intro. And you would set your intention for the the workout and the hour. And I would always go last as the coach. And, and that was my, and my attention was basically the same. I was like, my first intention is to keep you all safe. Uh, I hope that you learn something along the way. And then the cherry on top would be that you get a little more fit and you, and you work hard. So that's, those are my goals. And so, I, I've continued to have to have that perspective, whether it's whether it's one of my best athletes who's capable of doing anything, or a complete novice, an, an underserved, as as Coach Glassman may say. I 
I want them to train today so they can come back in tomorrow. Whether that that means avoiding injury or not going too hard, um, and like not limiting the intensity but the appropriate amount of it. That's something I I probably I, took me far too long to learn, which is being a far more liberal with pumping the brakes or pulling the reins or however you want to describe it. But basically, just telling people to slow the hell down. Like, just listen, man. There's no awards here. Like nobody's giving out trophies at the end of this workout. Like just calm down. Like you're going to tear your hands or you're going to hurt your back or like whatever it is. I wish I'd have been way more, uh, way more strategic and way more preemptive about that in my early days as a coach and just told people that it was okay to not go full ham sandwich every day when they come in the gym, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it's just, it's not effective to do that, I don't think. I think the community, and I don't want, I'm not calling anybody out, but the community was a little too focused on intensity. Like, it, it's, it, I like, re, I, when I talk about the definition of CrossFit, I throw in relative intensity into the, the, the statement. Um, it's it's you it's if you're talking about intensity absent of the fact that it is relative, that is negligent. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and I think everybody just like, and that is one, it's like, it is a, it is a massive part of the, what is CrossFit lecture when we say, Hey, you know, yes, we do want intensity. It is the thing that gives us results, but we cannot overlook the aspect of that. It is relative to both physical and psychological tolerances. And you have to take that into account because ignoring that is how people get injured. You want the recipe for injury? Here it is, everybody. Take something that you're not super competent with, do more weight than you should do, and then do it quickly. That's that's it. Like, And your job as a coach yeah. is to avoid that. For sure. For sure. What, was, um, what were some of the biggest hurdles that you, and I don't mind kind of talking about the mentor group, but like what were some of the biggest struggles that you've had as a coach? And then and maybe some things that, that, were I don't know what the word is highlighted or illuminated or, or brought to light for you um with working with us like the point and the point is not about this but I think everybody goes through this um process at some point I think my biggest hurdle and it I think it it's it continues to be there is like the the fear to fail um that I want, I want to be perfect. Like I want my clock, like, right. And that's just not like the fear to, to try something different and to coach something like I love. Well, I can't remember what podcast it was of you guys, but it's like, you should, you should pick the, 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 the well, a movement that you're not good at and not good at coaching and coach it. Right. It's the same thing with philosophy of fitness. If you're a hell of a runner, you should, you should lift a little bit more and then your running is going to get better. Your overall fitness is going to get and that just like hit me like a stack of bricks when you guys were talking about that. And so I would avoid coaching some of those things because I, I wasn't comfortable doing them and I didn't want to come across as an idiot. I, you know, I don't want someone to leave my class like, well, that didn't like that didn't work or I didn't get much out of, out of Justin's class today. So it's just putting myself out there um, and, and trying something new, um, trying to, trying to implement trying to change like get out of routine mix up my warm-ups mix up my scaling options and, and like i said it doesn't always go great it, it, it uh often doesn't go to my own standard um 
and I, I know, I'm getting a little off topic, but you were asking. No, no, that's actually, that's actually right on topic because I think that is, is something that should be acknowledged is that this is a process and, and, and the reality is most of us live out that process real time in the gym every day. Like there is a, in my personal journey, there's a significant chunk of my time as an affiliate owner and as a coach where largely what I was doing every day in the gym was experimenting. Like I was just figuring it the fuck out right? Trying mm-hmm. things, messing it up, trying new things, messing it up. Like all the stuff that you just talked about, like, I don't know that there's any other way to progress. And, um, I write a, I do write a blog from my gym for CrossFit Rife and I, and the, the, the blog this week on Wednesday was about that because I was diving into a book, um, by the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. He wrote a, and he wrote a book called willing to fail. It's just WTF, but it's willing to fail. And he talks about just the litany of failures that he had that have ultimately resulted in this billion dollar company that is 1-800-GOT-JUNK. But the, the, he like laid off the whole company at one point, like he almost filed for bankruptcy. Another point, he almost sold it to venture capitalists at a, at a different point. And, and he, and he describes it as failing up. And I think if we can adopt that and cool. yeah, failing up. And if we can adopt that and I, I did a podcast that dropped, if you haven't listened to it, it's like how fit is your gym using all the things that were for whatever reason, very comfortable with in fitness and then applying them to like, the rest of our life, you know, like nobody's everybody, you fail every single day when you walk in the gym. Like I cannot think of a day in CrossFit where I was like crushed it. Like I'm done. Like I could always have gone faster regardless. You know, like that 207 Fran that you talked about, like I'm sure that you finished that workout and you immediately reflected on it. And you're like, I took, I throttled back a little bit at one, at some point in there. And I probably could have been a 206 and it's just like, okay, so I I failed there and then like trying to maintain threshold. And I, and I think, and that is kind of my question is like, how much of that have you, that willing to fail, have you now, or have you, different question, started to carry that into gym ownership or entrepreneurship? Yeah, I hope I'm doing that daily. Um, one thing that I've found that's helped me is just acknowledging it. If I am like starting on a warm up, or I like, like the other Saturday, uh, we, I had it as a partner workout or a three person workout. And the, the second person was holding a plank or something over their head. And there was a couple times throughout the workout where I just changed it. I just like turned off the music. And I was like, Hey guys, we're going to stop holding the plate over our head. And then you're going to plank instead. And, and, and then I was like, okay. And then on the third round, you get to choose if you're going to hold the plate over your head or if you're going to plank. And I had members that have been around for a while, like laughing. And I was like, well, you know, the, I didn't think through all of that. That's they're going to be smoked. Their shoulders are smoked. So, that's 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 what I like to describe. Just address as, it. Yeah, that's what I like to describe is do not ride a bad idea. Like the second you've decided that this is no longer in order, just abandon it. Like don't worry about it, and just tell everybody that was a dumb idea. Like I am very sorry, but we are moving on past that ridiculousness that I just concocted in my brain. And that I'll, I'll just say, I'll say stuff like that. Like, well, I changed my mind and it won't be the last time, or I made a mistake and it won't be the last time, or I forgot to do this guys, like bring the PVC pipes back out. Like, and I promise that it won't be the last time I forget something. Do you and, find and they that just, that they think it makes funny. people trust you more because of that? That's a good question. I think that 
I think that it just it one thing I do feel like it does is it just minimizes instead of like avoiding it, like, oh crap, they should still have their PVC pipes out. So I'm gonna make up some like excuse, right? That <laughs> I can laugh about it, they can laugh about it, and we're just gonna like jump back. Like just last I think yesterday I was like, Whoa, I'm way off my timeline. And you get like, we got to hurry up. And this like, this won't be the last time that I do this guys. So, and, and instead of, instead of like putting blame on them, just taking ownership. And I, I would think if, if I swap shoes and a coach said something like that, like, Hey man, that's cool. I, 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 I try to live the way, you know, that I would respect somebody else to live. And I think when someone acknowledges their mistakes or their failures, that takes vulnerability. And, and so I try to do that as much as I can. I, uh, we had some coaches here for the CDP for the coach development course, um, last week. And that happened very briefly during, I think it was during one of the warmups, <laughs> like coach just like froze on something and they, they just forgot what they were doing, which I've seen, you know, countless times. And yeah. like after, afterwards, uh, they were just, just came up and they said, I just forgot what I was doing. And I said, it's fine. Just tell everybody that. And if you can't remember, just move on to the next thing. It doesn't matter. Like nobody's going to remember that. Just own it and move on. Like it's fine, you know? And I think people are, are, are more concerned about being embarrassed than just saying, you know what? I just literally lost my train of thought and have no idea what we're doing right now. Like we're just going to move on. I'm going to make up something right now. I, and I, I do that. I did that earlier this week. I just like forgot something and we just circled back to it. I'm like, I'm a moron, everybody. My apologies. We're going to circle back to this. Yeah. Yeah. It'll happen in my briefs occasionally. I'm a little scatterbrained and, and then if I'm coaching like back to back hours, I'm like, did I tell you guys about this or did I tell <laughs> You know what? Forget it. I'm going to say it again. If I repeat myself, I'm sure not all of you were listening to me anyway. So here we go. Fact. That is a fact. Not all, somebody's <laughs> checked out. Somebody's checked out. Uh, I do have a question. What since since you've made this transition from you know part time coach to owner, um, I'm always very very intrigued by this question. What is something um, that you now know that you didn't know? previously about owning a gym like is there something that you thought was going to be different um i think and this is i would answer that the same way a friend was like hey i'm gonna own an affiliate what like what do you think i would say the same thing is it's an interesting lifestyle here i i speak for myself i'm not gonna say you i'm up early a lot of the days and I'm, I'm, I'm here. I don't even call it work because I love it, but I'm here at late into the most of the evenings. And then I, there's some downtime. So that's been the hardest transition for me. And then I spend a lot of time by myself. So like, thank God for your guys' podcast and people out there. <laughs> um, cause, cause I don't, I, I mean, my fiance is involved and she helps coach. And, and just recently I've been trying to delegate and help and ask members for help on some like organizational stuff and, and back end stuff. But I spend a decent amount of time by myself and that I've been, I'm used to working with big teams and having like somebody I share an office with or be able to like, Hey Fern, uh, did you just get that email? What did you think about that? Like setting up this podcast uh, with the zoom thing? I was like, I don't have anybody that like, 
task about Zoom. <laughs> like, I, I got to figure this shit out on my own. Uh, and I, uh, I can... I can empathize with that because I, when we started this gym, it, I, it was part-time. So I had coaches here during the day. So I never had to do that, that like lonely time, but I did recently have to do it with some other stuff that we were trying out and damn, like the loneliness is devastating sometimes. So like I, yeah. we're, we're not that way anymore. Like there's somebody, there's multiple people here all throughout the day. Like we have massage therapists and we have other coaches that are doing stuff. So I, I do not take for granted like the fact that I can just like yell out the door and Cassie and I can banter about something or we're talking about something within the business. Um, so yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like, don't take that for granted. Cause yeah, I'll, I'll randomly call somebody or set something up intentionally to do that. And I'll try to stay here. Cause I know if I go home on those down hours, I'm less productive and, and then get in my head. I, I deal with anxiety a lot that is closely related to some depression. And so if I, if I'm at home by myself on those like lonely hours, uh, it's like, it's a slippery slope with where my so, head goes. So on that note, I, I do, I don't know if this is going to be coaching or not. What, how do you deal with that? Cause I, so I don't think you're unique in, in that sense, because I do think a lot of uh, being an entrepreneur is lonely and involves a, a massive amount of anxiety because uh, like you could lose everything. What, what are some things that you, like, I know what my mechanisms are for dealing with that, those feelings. What are some of the things that you deal with? Cause I, I've, I would take it to Vegas and bet on it. There is a gym owner that is listening to this is like, is this guy talking to me right now? Like, is he talking about me? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it's, simple but difficult to do one thing i've been trying to do lately is not take myself so serious um I, and this is and this is not downplaying the role that we play but right up right away the first couple months of ownership it was my life right and so i thought in my head every time someone walks in here that their experience here is as big as it is to me but no i'm like a glorified barista for god's sake they, they come in here for an hour and they leave and they leave it all here. They don't take it with them like I do. And, and so I've tried to just not take, not take it so myself and this and their experience is so serious. And then just try to do my best every day. Um, and it goes back to, to being okay to fail. Um, I recently came across, it's called a, it's called a hit list. And I like it cause like a hit list, right? I'm going to like get after this but high, high impact tasks or high, high impact tasks. Yeah. And it's just that I, I try to start my day or the night before and I just list what I absolutely need to get done. Um, and that, that gives me some focus. Like when, even if I write like a timeline for my day, okay, I've got from noon to three, from noon to noon 30, I'm going to eat. And so like, I got to write that down or I'll, I like won't eat. Um, my wife yells so at me because like I bite need, like, never chunks. eat lunch. Yeah. My wife, and I, she's like, you have to eat dude. Like you, I'm like, I'm intermittent fasting. She's like, no, you're forgetting to eat you moron. <laughs> so yeah, trying to come up with it. And I don't, I don't always succeed, but the thing that I, when I came across that hit list is go back to your to-do list and, and own it. Um, whatever you didn't cross off, right. Why was it because you jumped on social media or you, or you took a nap or, 
or you had an opportunity to jump on a podcast, like why did you and own it, right? Like own the fact that you didn't and then just try to learn from it. Like, okay, well, I'm going to try next, the next day I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I don't want to let things get in the way. I don't know. I, I'm not making a ton of sense, but you no, no, you're making why total. you didn't do it. You're making total sense, which is, and I'm, and I'm super, because that was going to be my recommendation for anybody who's, you know, spinning their wheels on what to do. So like, this is my list for today, right? Like, and I've got cool. for maybe 50% of it done. I still have to get the rest of it done. And I'm, I might miss a couple things, but I'm still going to be 90% done. And it, so here's one for you. So you can see it, but if you're not watching the video uh, version of this, um, so we just finished doing a construction project in our front lobby to create a new office, but I've been without an office for uh, like weeks, actually months at this point. And I've been like super discombobulated. Like I just feel completely unorganized, but we're just kind of almost done with this. And I just painted this whole wall behind me. This is dry erase paint. So this whole wall, I can write on it. What? Yeah, it's amazing. Like, so you should pick a wall in your office. I've heard of chalkboard paint, but not no, no, dry. It's, it's dry erase paint. So the whole thing is a dry erase board, and I can take things on and off there. And I've just been vomiting on this board for the past couple of days. And then the lists are important. So I think of it as like, what do I suck at list? And I'm like, what can we improve? Like, what are we bad at? Like, I imagine myself as an athlete. And I'm like, if I was trying to make it to the games, like, what's the first thing I need to shore up? So I just start writing all that crap on the board. And now it gives me stuff to do. Now I'm, now I'm never without a task, which is, you know, as a yeah. business owner, like you constantly want to figure out, okay, well, cause I, and that shifts over time, you know, like at first I'm, I'm like, I'm doing everything. So I got to do this email list and I got to contact this person. I got to do lead follow up and I got to do the scheduling. I do the programming. And then eventually it becomes like, I need to check on this person who owns this task or we need to revamp this entire process yeah. and, and change the whole thing. And like, I'm, I mean, for me, I got dry erase boards everywhere. Like I got another one on this wall right here. Just like, I mean, just stuff. And that way I can cross them off real quick and then replace them with something else. So if that, if you're not doing that lists are great because, um, it removes the ability. And I think Ackerman said this on a previous podcast and he stole it from somebody I'm sure. Cause he's not that smart, but he said something, it was just like, you know, pencils are pencils are for remembering and then, and your mind is for being creative. So the, the more places you can offload ideas to make room for new ones, the, the more productive you'll be. And that way I can just go back. I don't have to remember this anymore. It's written there. I don't huh. have to allocate, I don't have to allocate mineral, mineral resources to that and just go down the list and get creative, put stuff on there. And what you'll find is you start becoming like really productive with those things. So for anybody who's listening and it feels unproductive, just like start making these lists and start chipping away at them and then evaluate like, am I being busy or am I being productive? You know, that's the, that's the question you want to ask yourself. Yeah, I, I love I love that concept. I feel subconsciously or consciously I'll stay busy to avoid the things that I don't like, the bookkeeping or like the less fun stuff. Like, oh, those dumbbells need to be need to be dusted. I'm gonna go do those real quick. And it's like, Justin, are you avoiding the shit you're right? It's like it's procrastination, but it looks busy. And so And even if that's you something that's like a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, but even if you are procrastinating, if it's on a list, if it's on this board somewhere, like this is actually a Black Friday list, but if it's on a list somewhere, at least it's going to stare me in the face. And at some point, I'm going to get fed up with it and do it. But if you don't have it yeah. written down anywhere, it's like it's not real. It's just this thing that I can avoid. It's not in my line of sight. So start making those but lists and make, the, it, make them obvious, you know? 
Yeah, what you're doing is because that list is on your wall. It's not stuffed in your backpack. Correct. Right? Like that. I think that's a big difference. Like I've got lists, but if it's tucked away and slid under another list, <laughs> it, you don't see it. So I yeah, like or that. I've had, or I've been in sitting here with with coaches who have blasted me. They're like, "Hey, how long is that going to stay on the to do list? Like, when are you going to do that?" And I was like. <laughs> That's, that's totally fair. And, um, thank you for keeping me accountable on that. So when you put it up here and like, because we do consults in here and like, I'm not afraid of anything that's on the board, like whatever, but like, if I can put it on there and then somebody can look at it now I'm accountable to other people. Cool. I have to, I have to share this parallel. So we have our spaces two like mirrored, mirrored, um, I can't speak, but at, so we have two units that are mirror images of each other that we've yep. grown. So we grown, grew into the second one over the years. So we have, we had two front rooms, one in which was my office. And you said you, you just on the wall. We, we did. Oh, two. nice. So that, that little area used to be my office and, and now I'm office list. <laughs> I'm building like a little front desk. We're all, do like office work at, but when you, when you said that you're going through construction and you don't have an office, I'm like, yeah, I've been, I'm, I'm going through that right now. So it's funny. It's, it's been, it's been the worst. And, um, I do, there's a book called the wonderful world of customer service at Disney world or at Walt Disney or something like that. And in there, it talks about a ton of crap, but there is something in there that one of the big things I took away from that book was, um, having, uh, so what what's considered backstage, right? So like in Walt yeah. Disney, they have backstage and that's like the only people, are, the only place people are allowed to go out of character is if they're backstage. Outside of that, when they are in public, they are 100% in character. You don't take your head off. You don't, you don't not be Cinderella, like whatever. And I think it's important if possible for to have somewhere in your facility where coaches and staff can be off, can be backstage and they can just work or chill out or not be in direct line of sight of, of members because then you just, it's just like a drive by shooting all the time. Um, you can never get anything done. Cause it's like, Hey, do you have a second? I'm like, not really, but the door's open. So that's my fault, you know? So, um, so having somewhere where they can literally close a door and, and, and just be backstage and not be crushed because this, this can get exhausting. Like depending on how many members you have, like there's just not like I've been listening to the door open and close there for the past, like, two and a half hours has just been do, 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 do. And I'm just like, yeah. right, well, I'm in, I'm in here getting it done, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, because I took that space out, we don't have a backstage, but we do have, we do have some like space above, like a, not like a high rise, but as you were saying that, I was like, maybe I throw a couple couches or spots up there that like the coaches can just chill out. Do it. I like it. Cool. All right. What, um, let's talk a little bit about the affiliate. Cause I know you're getting ready to do a rebranding. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, uh, the affiliate that I currently own, I guess, technically and have owned for the last eight months is called CrossFit new life. That name and affiliation, uh, was created by the first owner. So I'm the third owner and I knew come October when our affiliation was up and our insurance was up that I'd, I'd have an opportunity uh, to make a decision is kind of how I'm been terming it, 
terming it. Uh, long story short, it just made sense for me to create something that that I have that create something for me and something that I'm passionate about. The the name CrossFit New Life means nothing to me, and the the community and what it stands for is what meant something to me. But the name itself didn't. Um, and so yeah, this is I was telling Firm before we jumped on. I'm announcing that to the membership tonight at our open party that come Monday morning after after a busy Sunday, uh, this gym will be operating under the affiliation of Salty Hive CrossFit. Uh, so what is what's the significance of that of of that name? So I really wanted something that the community could own and that that is community driven so the definition of hive is a teeming multitude which basically is just like a busy group of people that are like always working and so initially i i, I applied through headquarters for hive crossfit because i thought it was cool and and utah is the beehive state so that's uh, a connection too and and then my second option, which I'm glad, I'm actually really glad they ch they they chose Salty Hive because the new logo and how it looks, it, it looks cooler. Um, Salty was the connection to Salt Lake City. So, and then right, like you get salty, you get sweaty. And I, I to my members, I've I've always had kind of a flair, like a salty flair. So I think it, I just it speaks to like who I am. Um, that's cool so salty hive uh and it yeah i'm i'm really really excited about it it's been a lot of uh, back-end work and it's it's something that i just kind of like had tried to bottle up with a lot of interactions with my members They're like are we gonna do a hoodie order are we like what i need a, i need another beanie and i'm like i can't make any more crossfit new life stuff because this <laughs> like we're not gonna be called crossfit new life so I, i've just told them like yeah i'm getting around to it sorry i've I, I'm shitty, like basically is what I, I'm trying to say. But. That's all right. They'll they'll get it once you once you announce it, and they'll be like, oh, that's why he's holding out on me. Um. So on that note, and when we can, like, I guess pseudo wrap up here. But has your now that you're eight months into this, what is some advice that you would give to a new affiliate owner, right? Like you're, you're purchasing into one. So it's a little bit different. You're not starting from scratch that has its own challenges, but like, what have you learned in those eight months that you would, you're like, Hey, listen, if you're going to start an affiliate, like this is, this is something you need to know. I think I go back to the lifestyle. Um, it's, a, it's a different lifestyle. Be, be prepared for a lot of early mornings, be prepared for a lot of uh, late evenings. Um, and then I think this is something that I've just been willing to do recently. Just at, like ask for help. Like, uh, it's a, it's okay to not know the answer and it's okay. I I'm pretty particular about things, but I've been given my coaches a little bit more responsibility. Um, and, and members that have like asked like, Hey, can I, can I help you move the, the, the water station? You know, like it's, like they, they're not asking to help if they don't want to help and you don't have to do it all. It, I, I know you, you want to, cause you have pride in it and, and you, you believe just like me, and this is maybe a little bit bigoted, but it, I'm going to do it 
the best maybe like I, I know I know that I know what I can do so I want to try to do it all but like it's not it's not effective and recently I'm just like hey I get way more done when I involve people and that, I get yeah, that is the that is the new entrepreneur delusion is that you can do everything better than everybody else and I think this, I, this book probably a Gary V thing at some point you have to realize that somebody else operating at an eight is better for you and the team than you operating at a 10. Like at some point, like the eight is more than good enough. And you just have to let that kind of like weird, I'm better than everybody else at everything uh, go. Yeah. Cause reality is like, you're just, just not like, ego, it's, it's, yeah, it's just your ego. It's just you wanting to do all the stuff because you do take pride in it. Uh, so if that's you, maybe switch that and take pride in developing and handing things off and, and take pride in developing other people that do things well, not just that you do things well. Uh, because if yeah. you can't shake that, if you can't shake that, you can't own a business. Like you're just a good number two. If, if you're, uh, you're not a good number one, if that's the case. Um, that's, uh, that's super cool, dude. I can, and, I can. And yeah, com compensate, compensate your coaches as, as much as you can. Like obviously financially, but even just like more and more pats on the backs, like more and more positive feedback that, you know, you, my coaches do so many good things and, and then I'll be like, dude, you missed that one thing, you idiot. Like, you know, like, like just be, just, I, I, I know it's small and it's like, yeah, I know. And it'd be nice and give people feedback, but it goes a long way. Shooting it's a, not, shooting a text to not, a coach and be like, dude, you crushed it today. Like, yeah. It's not, it. it's not small. It's not small at all. Um, one thing I've, uh, I don't think I do nearly enough of it, but one thing I do, really make a point to do is anytime I get good feedback from a member, whether it's a text or an email or, or a message, a DM or something like that, I forward that immediately to whoever it is that they were talking about. Cause I'll get that on a regular basis. I'll get some feedback about a good coach and I'll, and, and my response is thank you so much. I'm going to pass this along right now. And I let the coach know, be like, Hey, listen, like you really crushed it and you made Melissa's day. So I think you need to know that like, and, and cause they're going to feel good about yeah. it. Like they, they need those pats on the back. And if you don't give them pats on the back and all you're doing is being critical, um, it, it's going to be really tough to stay on the team. And, and that's something I, that's something I personally battle with a lot because I'm not, um, like gift giving and all that stuff is not my love language. Like it's not like I, my love language is like my time. Like that's how I prefer to give, like, this is why I love doing this. Like this is, but what, what I, what, you know, fuels me, but that doesn't mean I, sh I can ignore those other things. Like my coaches don't all necessarily want my time. Like they want to be told that they did a good job. So, um, it's something that I still wrestle with and I'm still not the best at, um, you know, like for instance, Cassidy just, he was like, Hey, I think we need to give the coaching staff like some sort of Christmas present. And I was like, yeah, I agree. But like that would never come across my radar. Uh, maybe that makes me a crappy person, but like, it just, it's just not what the thing that I think about. And I, so I was just yeah. like, yeah, I mean like you tee it up, dude. Like the answer is yes. So what, what, what should we do? And I'm, ha I'm more than happy to do that. Cause I'm never not on board with it. Like it just doesn't come into my field of vision for whatever, you know, yeah. just like scatterbrained half the time. So um, sometimes you need to bring in people who are going to be like, Hey, you need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I would have never thought of that on my own for just cause I'm yeah. a moron. But, um, and, and, so, and sometimes it's like, you're right. How? Right. And that, that's why I think that involving is, I mean, involving more people, I guess, not as many people as you can, but involving people you trust and people you value. Um, that you, you know where you can get a lot of those people in your community. I do a lot of business 
with, with my members. Like we do business transactions where I buy stuff from them or I buy services from them and they buy this from me. And, um, because there's, there's, there's definitely some safety there. Like none of your members is going to sell you something, either a product or a service that's shitty. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Like, cause everybody's going to know they're like, Oh, you know, you have this guy do the drywall. Like it did a real shoddy job in here. Like that, that is not going to happen. Right. Like they're just going to be like, no, yeah. no, this is gonna be my best effort. I'm sending my best guy to do you the thing at your facility. Um, so, you know, if you need help, like that's the first place I tell people to turn is like ping your community. Like I was talking to somebody the other day, they're like, I'm looking for a new coach, but I don't know where to go. And I'm like, send an email to the entire gym and tell them I'm looking for a coach. If you have somebody that's interested, send them my way. And we'll yeah. talk more about like what that looks like, but like tap into the community, put so much time and effort to it. You might as well use it to your advantage and they want to help you. So I think that's an untapped resource for a lot of folks is they just don't want to ask. They feel bad about it, but like the people want to help you. Have you had a bad experience with that? Like, like blurring the lines of client business relationship? No, the only time I've had a bad experience was, uh, and this is 100% my fault, was I did not set expectations for uh, what the kind of internship, what's, what the transition would look like from being a member to potentially being a coach. And I jacked that up because at the end of that, the person did not make it full. And this is years ago, but the, the person didn't fully make it through and they ended up leaving because I did not set the expectation and say, Hey, this might not result in, you know, employment of any sort. And here's what I expect of you. It was just kind of like they failed in, in air quotes and then they were embarrassed and they left. And that is 100% on me. Uh, but I've never had a bad experience other than that. Uh, okay. Members. So, um, like I, like I said, there's just like peer pressure is a real thing. And, and, and people who are into you and into your business are not going to do that. Like they're not going to, Cause like they don't want to be the turd because they just don't want to be that guy or gal. So yeah, I think it's, like, it's one of the, it's one of the safest things you could do in my opinion. Um, cool. Um, well, listen, man, we're right at the hour mark. So, uh, I know you're busy. Uh, I still have to go finish that, that list that I got to do. So uh, I got <laughs> yeah, stuff I got to do before the lists. weekend. Uh, but anyway, um, Dude, this is really cool. Any anything you're reading currently or documentary series that you're into that would be helpful for anybody? Um, I I struggle reading because of my busy brain in terms of like my anxiety. I have a hard time sitting down. So honestly, I'm just trying to read more. Uh, I I went out to CrossFit HQ. I got to give out a shout to Carrie Hare. He was in, instrumental in helping the new my new affiliate. That's cool. Uh, so thanks. But uh, he gave me the two brain business. So I'm chipping away at that. I'm, cool. I'll learn a ton and then close it. But I'm more of a podcast guy. I'm huge on your guys' podcast, obviously. Um, ben Bergeron always puts out good stuff. So how do you um, how do you read? Like when like do you read a certain time of day? Do you read like what do you do? So the bet the best. Uh, time I felt I found to read is that lonely time we talked about and I mm -hmm. I try to just sit on my couch and get and like give myself 15 minutes because if I don't like if I don't give myself a time like block it out like we talked about I'll get distracted in my head about what else I should be doing mm -hmm. but I just try to set a timer and like read for 15 and that's all you're doing for 15 minutes so 
Yeah. I do something very similar and I started this years ago because I have the, I have the reading skills of a toddler and yeah, um, me too. I mean, I literally graduated college having never read a book color cover to cover, which I'm not sure if that is a good thing or not. But um, so years ago, uh, and I, I would say I haven't read like a, a mass amount of books, but at this point I've probably read substantial amount of books. Um, I don't know when I started this, but it's 10 pages a day. That's it. And so then the question is like, what if you're really digging it? I'm like, I stop at 10 pages. I'm like, what if you're really struggling? I read 10 pages. I push through on the 10 pages. And then what that is, what that has led itself to is if you do that, right? So if you do the math on this, you could read 12, 300 page books a year, which is about 12 more than most people read a year. Um, yeah. And then if I'm, if I'm, if I'm last year. And if I'm really struggling with a book, then I just stop reading it. Then I just pick up the next one and I start. If I'm like really like, if I find myself like just trying to grind through a book, I just put it down and, and go to the next one. Um, so 10 pages a day has been instrumental for me because it's not, a, it's not a terrible amount of time. And again, I'm a horrible reader. Like I just not, I just not something I'm good at. Um, but what the you other- feel like you're getting of, better? Um, I don't know. For me, it has to do with like, what is the, what is the con, what type of book is it? Like we'll determine like the speed at which I read through it. So some of them I read way faster. Some of them I read way slower, uh, but it's 10 pages, regardless of what I'm digging. The only time I read more than 10 pages is if I'm trapped somewhere like on a plane, which I am on a pseudo frequent basis for seminars. That's the only yeah. time because I literally have nowhere else to go. Um, but if everything else, no matter what, I do it in the morning. I do it at night. I do it wherever I can get it. Most of the time it's in the morning, 10 pages. And what it usually, what it actually is really nice about it is, uh, because I also have the, you know, uh, retention skills of a toddler. Um, 10 pages is not a terrible amount of information to retain. So then I can usually take that 10 pages and somehow apply it to my day. Um, cause again, you just have to figure out how to ways to yeah, make yourself intelligent the, when you're smart. That's an, that's the hard part about reading something I'm stuck on is I get inspired every page, right? I'm like, oh, like I got to stop and like process that and like figure out how to implement that. And so I like that. I like the 10 pages. 10 pages, man. Cause then I'm just like, all right, I got to go from page 30 to page 40. And it's just like, it's like biting off, you know, 10 reps on a workout. I just got to get to the next 10 reps and then I'm going to move on to the next thing. So, um, try it out. You know, I, for me, it's just like it's led from doing zero reading to reading, you know, quite a bit uh, and, and not taking a terrible amount of my time. Like that's the, that's the other part of it. It's just like, I don't want to sit down and read for five hours. I, I just want to consume this at some, at some rate over time. So anyway, um, dude, this has been awesome. A ton of good tangents here. I think there's a lot of valuable stuff here. So uh, from me to you, thank you very much. Well, thank you. Um, cool. Anything else you want to leave the listeners with? Um. I would, I, I, I wish I would have, uh, shouted out my buddy, Casey Spencer. Um, I don't know if we're, are we still recording, but we are still recording. Uh, so shout out to you, Casey <laughs> Spencer. He, he was, he found us, he coached for us for like three or four months and then had to move back to Arkansas. We both geek out on your guys' podcast. Cool. Heck of a coach. That's awesome. And then I hope, and I, this is just me chipping away, but I have a lofty, desire to to be a seminar staff member someday so uh after my level two michelle moots was like just pick the stuff that you're least good at 
for me, it'd be like the anatomy stuff <laughs> yep. uh, and, and start, start chipping away at that. So I literally I had a conversation I, about that today. I had a coach who was just like, I want to do this. And I said, well, what's the timeline? Like, but like it's, it's on you, you know? So um, start chipping away, man. And like, and here's what I'll tell you, regardless of whether that ends up coming to a fruition or not, I would, I would argue with almost aggressive nature that simply trying to achieve that will make you an incredible coach that will help you serve your community uh, in the best way possible. So it's not, I don't know necessarily it's about the end state. I think it's far more about the journey. Uh, Cause if you're trying to do that, you're going to try to develop yourself as a, as a, as a leader, as a coach, as a, as a professional and all those things. And um, either way, the result will be positive for you. So get after it, dude. What are like, what are like the, the, tangible steps the level three um so yeah so it's level three and then the internship and i'm not sure how that's going to change when the level four comes on that's kind of like a a a morphing deal uh it morphs as like things change within the company but that's currently kind of the way it sits now is like level one level two level three intern go through that process uh maybe yes maybe no maybe come back later um so how do you intern um, so the process is basically like you put in an application and then you pick some dates and you show up and there's a, there's a process within how that works and kind of like what you do when you kind of try out, uh, for the team. So, um, you know, my recommendation is like, don't do it if you don't have a significant amount of coaching, uh, underneath your belt, cause it probably won't go well. Okay. I like it. Coach tons and study for my level three. There you go, brother. All right, brother, I'm going to let you get out of here. Thank you again for your time. If you guys have questions about any of this stuff or questions for Justin in general about his affiliate, about rebranding, about some of the social work and addiction stuff, um, hit us up on the podcast. DM us, best hour of the day on Instagram, besthourofthedaycom and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, one more time, please, Leave us a review on Apple Podcast and send us any feedback you have to at best hour of their day on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.